0: I'm Satya Nelms, and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mothers sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Welcome to our Mother's Gardens, Tommy. I'm so happy to have you here. i uh, you? so happy please... to be here. Thank you. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm the founder of a website and platform called Modernia. Um, it, it celebrates black mothers, uh, supports and empowers them through content and community. I'm a journalist by trade. Um, I've always loved telling stories. And in 2012, when everyone was talking about leaning men and women have it all, I was like, um, where are the black ladies? (laughs) Where where are the ladies who look like me, who um, have stories to tell? And I was at the age where you're supposed to find the partner to have the kids we also look at the career, and I just wanted to hear from women who were willing to be real about what it took to have the life um, that I that I wanted for myself, which is to you know have an amazing career um, and also be like a very loving and present mom. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and I wanted it to be like not. Like, oh, I just woke up in this beautiful brownstone with mm-hmm. this beautiful man. And <laughs> these well-behaved children. Uh, I wanted it to be, like, you know, this. Like, I had, a, like, a boss who was awful. Mm-hmm. And I had to quit that job. And this is how I navigated it. And this is how I got here. But, yeah, just more realistic conversations around womanhood Um, and work-life integration because I very quickly learned there's no such thing as work-life balance.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh yeah. (laughs) Yes, that is, that is a tough thing to achieve. Um, so it's interesting. So the, what I want to ask you is, you know, what is a mother? And it's interesting from, you know, the background that you have with the creation of Mattermia and, you know, all of the work that you've done with black mothers. I'm so, I'm particularly intrigued to think, you know, to hear what, uh, what you think the definition of a mother is when you hear mother, what does that conjure for you? And has it, has it changed through your experience with Matter, Mia?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. It's, it's such a good question because if you were to have asked me a few days ago, what a mother is, I would definitely give you like a very reproductive
2: mm-hmm. answer.
1: Um, a mother is someone who has a child, um, someone who has, uh, birthed a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that came with um, a lot of baggage for me because uh, while I have this really amazing platform for black mothers, I am not a mom myself to children
2: yet. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And I think I was carrying, like, a lot of baggage about that. Um, It would be, like, the first thing I would say about myself. I'm not a mother yet, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be one day. Um, But now I feel like a mother is someone... Who has that that nurturing energy, mm-hmm. uh, that desire to be present and and support another human being on their life's journey?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and in that regard, I, I am a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I have you know a lot of, of love to give and and support and uh, and care for people, mm-hmm. and it feels very maternal to me. Um, it's not just the Samaritan energy. It's, it's definitely maternal, mama energy. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, yeah, and I guess what have been you know some of the major influences in your life in terms of where you have developed this definition of motherhood. You know, when you think about where you know where this came from, your perception of what it is to be a mother. What what are the major places it came from?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of it was my own mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom's name is Amelia mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um And she is such a giver, just constantly, to the point where you're like, you know, sis, calm down. <laughs> like, you get it. <laughs> you love giving to people. People love receiving from you. Like, it's cool. Um, I get it but she is the hardest working woman I know. She works at a nursing home. She is literally always lifting people up. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just constantly giving, um, from, you know, Oh, there's this lady at the the store I always go to and I'm going to make her a really nice salad and bring it to her for her lunch. Or I am going to, um, you know, sent all these clothes uh, from the, the store here, that like the dollar store here, mm-hmm. to Nigeria, uh, where my family is from, and I have a lot of relatives still there. Um, so my original definition of mother was someone who gave and gave and gave, and it felt like an endless supply of giving, mm-hmm. um, because my mom very rarely, if not ever, asked for anything for herself. Mm-hmm. Um she'll take care of herself and she'll, you know, oh, I saw this in the store and it looks good on me so I got it. <laughs> um, but yeah. you know, she's not someone who uh asks for support, um or or is uh readily uh open to to having someone love on them. So mm. that kind of element of Giving and giving and giving and never taking, um, never receiving rather, is uh, something that I got from seeing my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really didn't think about motherhood because, you know, I mean, I I never was the kid who had the baby dolls and had baby names. I never thought about the act of mothering really until I started the website and was kind of assuming that I would be a mom one day.
2: Mm -hmm. and it would be
1: like the biological thing I would have a kid of my own one day and I would take care of them
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and I I just got to see so many different models of mothering uh, through through Latamia women who have birth children women who have adopted their children um, from the foster care system through their own family something happens and they step in Mm -hmm. and they didn't Need to birth a child, but they—they they are their mother. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just I—I I went from being like very self-absorbed <laughs> in a lot of ways. And just like, oh, that's cute that like this woman gave birth to me and like loves me or whatever, <laughs> and like shows her love by like doing things for me. Um, but like, I don't like the way she does it, so it's super annoying. I can't wait till I'm a mom and I'll do it differently. <laughs> um, so, this is really, like, and I'm I'm in awe of my mother. Um, mm. I, yeah, I, I'm just in awe of her um, and her ability to just do and be. And mm. um, yeah, I I think the mix of my my own mom and the the modern mia moms um, has been something to see for me.
0: So I imagine that, like you said, you know, when you're a kid and you're on the receiving end of, you know, love and parental guidance and everything else, you you don't realize what goes into being a parent. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just feels like, oh, yeah. this is just what they do. <laughs> um, right. So when... Um, when you realized just, you know, how much, you know, your mother gave, you know, in order to be a mother, how did that impact how you felt about being a mother? Was it, did it feel as though that was something that was, was required of the, of, of the role of being mother? Did you feel like this is something i'm going to have to take on or how did you orient around that when you realized just what all went into that
1: yeah i think i was and this is all very recent mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. um i've i've been doing some some really transformational self-work mm-hmm. uh, that that has me in in tune with with everybody i feel like now but mm-hmm. again before it was very procedural um mm-hmm. so my mom started telling me, like, at a very young age, I want to say, like, elementary school age, that Mm -hmm. um, she had had miscarriages.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, I just assumed that that would be my story because, like, my mom, I had fibroids Mm -hmm. um, and needed to get a myomectomy to get them taken out. Mm -hmm. And so I was just very process-focused of, like, how do you get pregnant? Mm -hmm. For me, it's going to be difficult because my mom had miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And that was just the narrative that I had in my head. Um, And now, um, I think I'm more appreciative of the choreography. Mm. uh, Because even my mom um, and my father have been together. They have a very, very cute story.
2: Like,
1: (laughs) people need to... (laughs) needs to do their story Chimamanda needs to do their story (laughs) I I think they have like a very sweet love story Mm -hmm. um and they were a team they are a Mm team and there's just like so much choreography involved in raising three kids um on not an amazing budget Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. in the Midwest as two immigrants uh to this country So, you know, my dad was doing my hair in the morning because my mom was working, Uh, but then my mom was there for pickup, and um, Mm -hmm. my mom used to make us, before we had homework assignments from our school, she would make me do math um, and make me do, like, reading assignments and book reports, and she was just crafting the person that she wanted me to be, so, like, we had a dishwasher when we, we lived in an apartment until mm-hmm. I was 11, and then we moved into a house that had a dishwasher. Never touched the thing. Don't know what dishwashers are for. If <laughs> I was a dishwasher. I know how to do dishes. <laughs> I had a had a um, a laundry room, and uh, I I hand washed all like my delicates, and um, even now like I am like you know rubbing things with my with my uh, knuckles because that's what my mom taught me how to do.
2: Mm. So
1: I didn't realize all the lessons that she was imparting. I thought it was just like, ugh, why <laughs> <laughs> we do all these chores? Or like, especially being a first gen kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, why do my friends get to do this and talk to their mom this way? And I can't talk to my mom this way. Why don't I have a friendship with her? Um, why aren't we like Lorelai and Rory Gilmore? Like, yes, they're
2: white, mm. but like,
1: I know black people who have, <laughs> who have friendships with their moms. Like, why, why aren't we friends? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really because she was doing the work of, um, shaping the kind of woman that she, not even that she wanted me to be because my mom, um, her mom always told her that, you know, you give your kids wings to fly away. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was, uh, a relationship that felt like distance at the time that I now realize was just like, she was preparing me for this day where I don't, I'm not up under her. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need to ask her what to do. I know what to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I might not like having (laughs) to do it, but I can't say that no one taught me or Mm -hmm. no one, um, gave me the, the, uh, wherewithal to feel comfortable navigating an adult life um, without my mother. So, mm. so yeah, I, I can appreciate her uh, a lot more than I did when I was like. But, you know, a sleepover is a thing that American girls do. And <laughs> like, I want to go to a sleepover. Yes. <laughs> Why won't you let me?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and I love, you know, I love what you just said about reading it as distance when you were younger, but now recognizing, you know, in retrospect that she was giving you space for those wings. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I totally get how, you know, as a kid, that feels like, you know, I mean, Lorelai and Rory, that was the dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they ruined it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they really did. They really did. And I'm just starting to, like, like a lot of trauma that I had growing up was feeling uh, like not seen and not protected. So mm-hmm. I was severely bullied, um, from sixth to ninth grade, like these very formative years. Mm-hmm. And I would tell my mom and she's like, that's not what I sent you to school for. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. that because they're making fun of you because I sent you to school for an education. Um, I have like a very vivid memory of, um, love my mom but uh, doing hair isn't one of her strengths. It's not one of mine either but like mm. thanks the Lord that I can I make enough money to, to have someone else deal with <laughs> my hair. Um, but she had done my hair and I found myself in the mirror and I was just like they're gonna crucify me. Like I, oh. I can't get on this bus. Like I, I don't want to get on this bus. Mm-hmm. And she, the bus was pulling up and she was pushing me out the door and I was like no, no, like, please don't make me go on the bus. Please don't make me go on the bus. And for her, it was like, I'm I'm messing up the choreography of her day. Yeah. Homie gets on the bus. She goes out to school. Uh, the boys wait for, you know, their bus. Or, you know, their. my dad would take them to school. I can go to work, blah, blah, blah. I was messing up that choreography for her. Um, and it it felt like I wasn't being seen. Mm-hmm. Um hmm Mm-hmm. What I would, what I would have done, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's not go to school today. Like, let's talk. What's going on? Let's What's go have coffee. I like, get so terrified mm-hmm. to get on the bus. Um, and I, I didn't, I, I didn't feel seen a lot of times. Like, even mm. with me crying, begging, please don't put me on the bus. Um, Like, can can you buy me this instead of that? Because the kids are making fun of new shoes that I'm wearing or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. It would have been, I now see the lesson in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also see the inconvenience of, you know, a, a teenage breakdown and a mm-hmm. um, and, you know, uh, depression and, and feelings. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it did feel like distance. It did feel like I wasn't being seen. Mm. Um, and a lot of these like pop culture moms, there was always the like you know, I can't remember the family matters like yeah <laughs> like, there was
2: always a
1: swelling moment of like, oh, she like you know she yelled at you, but it was done in love, mm. um, a lot of times I didn't feel the mm. love, even though it was there
0: so what do you think the lesson was and was it a lesson like did it have the desired effect did you learn the lesson or was the trauma did the trauma of it override what the lesson was
1: yeah i think i think the trauma definitely over I, i think um it's funny my mom used to say don't give people ammunition to make fun of you mm. and I never that was a lesson that is the lesson don't pe- give people ammunition to make fun of you mm-hmm. but there was no surrounding like a uh, context around that mm-hmm. there was no conversation around what the lesson was it was just stated mm-hmm. and so I took that as I agree with all these kids you're ugly like, you know, do something with your hair. Like, do something with your clothes. Like, stop giving people reasons to make fun of you. If you were perfect, no one would make fun of you. That's how I took that lesson. Mm-hmm. And I realized I didn't, she didn't have the time <laughs> to to be like, hey, this is what I mean when I say that. Mm-hmm. This is, like, let's do some, like, you know, self-esteem, affirmations, all the stuff that I see millennial and mindful moms doing now where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you go in the mirror and you tell yourself that you're somebody and that you love yourself and creating this family culture of Mm self-love. I didn't have that. Um, and Mm -hmm. I get why I didn't have it now, Mm -hmm. but then I thought like my mom was just one more person, uh, who, who wasn't for me, Mm -hmm. um, and didn't see me. And what she saw was, you know, what all the kids in my, uh, middle school and high school saw, Mm -hmm. um, And I remember I think me and my mom look alike and Mm -hmm. she would be like, no, we don't. And that also didn't Mm. didn't make me feel, you know, like, Oh, the kids are calling me ugly. I'm telling my mom that I think we look alike and she's saying, no, we don't. Um, like, because there wasn't that, that, um, affirmation,
2: Mm -hmm. there
1: wasn't the explanation. It allowed me to come up with my own definition and the definitions I was coming up with were really, really
2: harmful. Mm. Um,
1: so, yeah. I, I think about that a lot, too, because there was a recent study that said uh, that black teenagers experienced five, on average, five instances of um, discrimination, race, race-based discrimination, mm-hmm. racism. And um, I was talking to these... Uh, researchers and they said a way to counter that is to talk to your kids about your own trauma with racism mm-hmm. um and also provide the counter narrative so yes this person said this really awful racist thing mm-hmm. but your black skin is beautiful they like they they go in tanning beds and like red mm-hmm. cancer to look like we do and they pump their lips up to look like ours and you know, you are beautiful. Like, you mm-hmm. come from greatness. I, I had the, I had the, you know, uh, have to be twice as hard or mm-hmm. uh, twice as good to get half as much narrative, mm-hmm. but not the like, we lit, you're lit. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: but we're um, so dope. <laughs> so now,
1: yeah, I, I would have loved that. I feel like. I would have stepped into my worth a lot sooner
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: if uh, if I had had those messages, like, said to me mm-hmm. at that really formative age. Um, but I also know that the person I am now is the person my mom always knew. Like, that's who she was raising. That's who she was pouring into. I just uh, wasn't able to, like, totally receive it not Mm -hmm. because of, you know, my
0: own trauma. Mm -hmm. So earlier on, you said that when your mom shared her story, you just assumed that that would be your story too. So Mm -hmm. given that, given that, you know, assumption of taking on your mother's story combined with, you know, the traumatic stories and narratives that were built up, you know, between sixth and ninth grade during that particularly difficult period, how did you come into your own voice and your own story? How did that develop or how is that developing?
1: Yeah, so I, this is all very recent. Like the answer I would have given you a few weeks ago is totally different from now (laughs) until now. Um, I did this workshop in New York called Momentum Education. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like basically four days of just sitting with who you are and how you're showing up in the world and asking is that is that the way you want to be mm-hmm. um, through like a series of you know, group work, exercises, games and um, the first go-round of it um, I was like, wow, I realized So anyone who's familiar with Modern Mia and even narrower people who knew that it was a one-person enterprise and the person behind it was me, Mm -hmm. knew me as Antonia. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And Antonia was, um, it's it's part of my name. My my full name is Antonia Ubuwatomi Akatunde. Mm -hmm.
2: Um,
1: But I remember being in elementary school, being super confident. um, And in the fourth and fifth grade, my teacher told me, Start calling me Antonia, and I was like, "That's not my name." Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, "Well, if I'm an attendant, she—that's what they're going to call you in middle school." So I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, my name's Tommy. Like, you know, miss me with that Antonia. Mm-hmm. And then the first day of sixth grade, I stood up and I said, "My name is Tommy Acatune Day," and everyone laughed at me. Mm. And so, Antonia was part of this like cultivation and like concerned with what other people thought, with Mm -hmm. being perfect. I felt like if I were perfect, um, no one would bully me, that the things that people were saying must be true because everyone, it felt like everyone was saying it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And I I started developing this understanding of the world that love is transactional. Mm -hmm. So I, I will give and give and give and give to keep you around. So um, mm. I achieved a lot because that's what Nigerian immigrant kids are supposed to do. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctoral lawyer, so I might as well, like, do really, really well to make up for the fact that I didn't become an engineer and I didn't marry an <laughs> engineer. Um, so I went to really great grad and undergrad schools. I had um, jo- a job that big uh, name. Um, media company I had bylines in the New York Times and it never felt like my success um it felt like I was living uh for someone else specifically my dad who I'm very very close to mm-hmm. um and so I just uh, through this work that I've been doing I just realized like who's Antonia right like, <laughs> me she's not me she's this yeah. You know, persona that that I put on, and it makes sense that I don't feel any any joy or gratitude from that name because there's just like so much
2: mm. trauma,
1: and um, just like Antonia represents this this like swirling void of need of other people's um, validation of, of needing external validation to feel worthy, mm-hmm. and it, it never being enough. Like mm-hmm. I recently wrote an article for the New York Times. And it was my third byline. And I always said, oh, when I get to my fourth byline, then I'll make a big deal about it. Knowing fully well when I got to that fourth byline, I would still be like, uh, I'm still trash. Like,
2: Mm -hmm. uh, whatever.
1: What I'm expected to do, so it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And now I get to be my full, authentic self. And that is someone who knows her worth without having to ask what your opinion of her is. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, God... God love my parents. I always say, and I, I don't know if I can swear, so like I'm Go very good it. at not swearing. <laughs> so I'll try to keep myself from swearing this one. But I always say, it's not if you mess your kids up, but how you mess your kids up. Mm. Um, you can be the most, to yourself, you can be the most loving parent ever, and your kid will still take something from that experience. And it's not what you want them to take away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents loved me the best way they knew how. Mm-hmm. And it took me, it, I, it, it, because of other things, I translated that into trauma. Mm-hmm. That's how I experienced it. Um, and I'm 35 now. And I'm just now saying that I, I, I like myself. I think I'm beautiful. I don't need anyone else to tell me that. Um so yeah, I, I feel really good <laughs> yeah. about, you know, who who I am now and who I am is definitely uh you know, Amelia and Tony Actuane's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um but
0: yeah,
1: I, I'm also me outside of that too.
0: No, I mean that's awesome. I mean, on the one hand it is tough to to feel like I have lived you know to have lived a whole life and to you know be getting to the place now at 35 where you can say that you like yourself but you know on the flip side of that I mean there's people who live a whole life and never get to that place Um, yeah definitely and you're still you know you're still so young it's it is amazing and
1: Oh, thank you for saying that. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it, is, it is amazing. You know, as yeah, someone. I still have all this uh,
1: personal. I, I, I'm growing, but I still have a little age stuff, though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Still for that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, as someone who is the same age and is working through <laughs> some, uh, <laughs> some issues around, you know, that. The, those same things about loving oneself and liking oneself and you know all of those things. No, we we are young <laughs> uh, <yay. laughs> We've got time. <laughs> um but you said um you said that which is so true. I do sometimes wonder with my kids like what will be the thing? Like what will be the thing that they're like, Mom, you should have done this differently. Um, cause I'm sure there will be something. Um, mm-hmm. but you said, you know, I'm sure that there are lessons, you know, that they wanted me to take away or, you know, in your head, you can feel like you're doing, you know, everything you can as a parent. What is it that you think your mom in particular wanted you to take away from the way that she raised you?
1: I think she wanted me to be happy. Mm. I think she wanted me to be content. Um, And I'm saying I think I know that because, again, my mom was very straightforward (laughs) but, like, didn't (laughs) didn't give, like, the the surrounding (laughs) exercises. It was just, like, I... I, It was very clear that I was just this big ball of want and and need.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: um, I got caught stealing um, from a... uh, a mall and the birds. Mm. Um, and uh, my mom, my mom's big thing was like, if you lie, you'll cheat. If you cheat, you'll steal. And if you steal, you'll kill. Um, mm. Like let your yes be yes and your no be no. Have some integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that she told me was, you will if you can't be content with what you have, what you have, you'll never be happy. Mm. Um, and I think. For her, that contentment comes from loving herself. Mm -hmm. And um, now that I'm I'm saying this out loud, like, I'm making a note to call her and and ask her this question uh, because I I think my mom loves herself. Um, Mm -hmm. Her circumstances um, to the outside world might not be ideal. Mm -hmm. um, But, like, I've never one character complaint about anything and mm. it's not in that like strong black woman I got a Negro spiritual plane in the background <laughs> and I like carry all my woes so, like, it's just like yeah. no this is like my life and you know I have a husband I love and three kids and breath and you know like yeah I'm, I'm good mm-hmm. um, so yeah I, I think that contentment um that comes from Loving yourself and not needing anything or anyone else to tell you that you are
2: enough
1: mm-hmm. is uh, the lesson that she wanted me to get and i'm I'm getting
0: there mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when you reflect on the way that your mother raised you and you know what you feel. You needed from her, what are your biggest takeaways for how you will one day parent your own children? Or what takeaways would you offer someone else, you know, who was trying to wade through motherhood and, you know, trying to connect with their child and, you know, do the best job that they could? What is You know, a lesson that you have learned from observing your mother and being mothered by your mother and witnessing the mothering of other, you know, mothers, what advice would you offer?
1: So, this is something that I think I can now realize is informed by the way that I was mothered. I wouldn't have thought that until this question was posed to me. Your kids aren't your round two. Mm. Your kids are their own people, their own, like, they have their own path to walk, and you can't parent them thinking that they're going to make up for um, a lack that you feel like you've experienced in your life. So, for example, with me, I always heard growing up that I wasn't black enough, Mm -hmm. which, like, I am a very dark skin woman. <laughs> My parents, I told you, are from Nigeria. Like, I don't know how much blacker it gets. <laughs> but that was just something I always heard growing up, that I wasn't black enough, that I was black enough. And um, I am married to a white Jewish man. Um, and it hit me that I am going to have children who, like, might not look like... Might not look like me. Mm-hmm. Um, might not phenotypically look like mine. Um, might be white passing
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: on one end of the spectrum, but definitely won't be as brown as me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of agita about that. Like, oh my god, um, what what is blackness? Like, how how are my kids gonna be read as black to everybody? Like, how mm-hmm. how can I make sure that my kids are black? How how can I make sure that my kids are black? Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that like. I was coming, my idea of blackness was really rooted in the stereotypes that people had against me mm-hmm. um, that made being black smaller than what it actually is. Being black is expansive, becoming mm-hmm. all kinds of shades, all kinds of realities, all kinds of experiences. And I realized that, like, my children aren't going to be proof that I'm black enough to people who already feel one way about me or another. Like, they are going to be themselves. Like I, I'm i working on making sure that they identify as black. It'll be like mm-hmm. very heartbreaking if my my child comes to me one day and says like, you know what, I, I just really identify more as like Jewish than black. Like it, it will feel like a stab in the heart. i <laughs> um, like, oh my Lord, what did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong? Um, but, like, you know what, I actually don't want to be called this name. I want to be called, like, Becky or, like, some stereotypical oh. white name. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but also that is their right to choose, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't live their life for them. Mm-hmm. I can give them the skills. I can give them, like, my mom and the fact that I can, like, my poor husband he's like, "Can we get a dishwasher?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm like we can wash dishes ourselves. It's fine. I don't understand why you want, why you want that or um, like those kind of basic life skills, um, those core values that uh, help them create the lens through which they view the world. But you can't you can't expect them to be your take two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, that's something that I've recently realized." Um and yeah, it'll be which makes it even more pressing for you to live the life that you have now since you don't have any do overs mm-hmm. uh, instead of you know uh impressing that on your children. Like, what would you do? And then do it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Mother's Gardens. If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Patah.